It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here. This is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest momentarily, and I promise we're going to have a lot of fun today, and we're going to learn a lot. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. It has occurred to me lately that I am incredibly blessed. I've always known this, but when I really start to think about this and operate from a place of gratitude, it really is truly mind-blowing. When I had Jack Canfield on my show several years ago, we discussed his book, The Success Principles. One of the exercises that he suggests is to write down a list of 100 successes or turning points that you've experienced in your life. If that sounds like a big task, then break it down to various periods of your life, perhaps age 0 to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, etc., and come up with a bunch of successes that you had in each age group. Those successes don't have to be feel really huge either. Learning how to walk or talk, for example, is a huge win. Some people never get to experience those things. But give yourself full credit for everything you have done and been through. You are more amazing than you give yourself credit for. Just know how incredibly blessed you really are. And with that in mind, I would like to introduce my guest. And if you've not gotten my latest book, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned From My Dad. It was released in December. It's based on, obviously, The Greatest Lessons I Learned From My Dad. It was a tribute because he passed away almost a year ago now. And I invited a few other people to contribute their stories about their dads as well. It's on Amazon. So it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned From My Dad by Brian K. Wright. That's me. So my guest this week is Brendan Neckatall. Let me tell you about her. Brenda is an award-winning HR professional, is often referred to as the HR force of nature by her clients. Not only does she help business leaders solve their most difficult people issues, she's a specialist in crisis management, government contracting, HR compliance, and mentor to women in HR working as an HR department of one. She started uh, after a 14-year career in retail management, and she enjoys helping people solve their unique problems, and HR offered her the ability to support her coworkers in a greater capacity. Having the benefit of working for a total of five Fortune 500 companies, she converted her experience into advising her audience to use tried and trusted practices that best help small businesses achieve their workforce goals. And she's been in human resources and business for over 30 years and has consulted nearly 500 small business and C-suite leaders. And she has just had a phenomenal career. And she's also a published author. She just released her most recent book just a few days ago. Mm -hmm. So here we are with my very special guest, Brenda Nekvatal. Brenda, how are you today? I'm awesome. How are you? What an amazing beginning you have. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I love doing this show. It is my happy hour every single week, and I had my ten year anniversary a month ago, so I must oh, love doing it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So here's the first question I normally ask Brenda: Did you envision way back when that you would be where you are right nope. now? Nope, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not even remotely close. Honestly, I thought at this stage of my life I would be sitting in some office somewhere. Uh, being the CHRO of a company and literally 
counting down the days until I fill out my retirement paperwork. But even when I thought that, <clears throat> I never really believed that that's how it was going to happen. Mm. Wow. So tell us how you got to this place because you worked in retail first, you've worked for five Fortune 500 companies, and then you went out on your own. How did that path evolve for you? Well, I went on my own and it's, it happened suddenly. Um, it was by my choice. Um, it was the only time in my career I have ever just simply walked away from a business. And I did it for ethical purposes. Um, I did it because I was in a compromised position that I did not put myself in. And, um, and you know what? It's just I knew I was marketable. I knew I could contribute. And honestly, I I had enough saved up that if I fell flat on my backside, then I was going to be just fine. And I went out and um, gave myself a week to think through some things and reached out a couple of my former clients and literally that day uh, replaced 100% of my income in, two, in literally two phone calls. So uh, I knew I had something and just ran with it from there on. That is absolutely amazing. And that is the power of a great, great network. I mean, not everyone takes the time to cultivate their network, but you you must have done a lot to keep that network going. And, and here's the thing. You reach out to people not just when you need something from them, but you care and you get to learn to know people a little bit, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the thing about is that when you build a network, it's never – Pardon me, you never want to build a network based off of, and you said it, you know, what you can get from them. When yeah. you build a network of, of serving others, um, you know, some people, you're going to have the right people hang around. Not everybody, but the right people hang around. And if you do it, and this is hard, if you do it without expectation of ever getting anything back, mm -hmm. then you're going to have people that either fall in or fall out. And the ones that fall in, they stay and, you know, some really great things can take place from there. But even though you cultivated one form of a network, you got to you got to continuously work your network because when you start separating from it, then you don't go anywhere. Right. Right. Where have you found the most powerful uh, network in your career? I have found it in two communities. First, I have found it in Naval Special Warfare with the SEAL community, because I do a lot of work over there. And the other network has really been the last year, and that's been with Apex. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in that too, and that's that's how we met. And that's, yeah. that's yeah. absolutely incredible. I've been in that since last May, so it's... About nine there months now. Yeah. Yeah. I've been. I just celebrated a one-year anniversary. Myself. Fantastic. Great. Thanks. So tell us a little bit about your rock bottom or defining moment. This is something I like to ask everybody. And how did you get out of it? Oh, my rock bottom defining moment. Actually, <clears throat> I. It's more of an aha moment than it is anything else. Um, mm. I struggled my whole life with an undiagnosed disability, learning disability. And for a long time, I did not know I was dyslexic. And I was at work. And I mean, I just, I've always been frustrated because there was this invisible thing that kept holding me back. Aside from, you know, having 
you know, as, as Ryan Stuman in Apex calls it, the force of average showing up, right? So that's everybody right. telling you that you can be great, but nobody really wants to truly honestly support you. And then when you do wind up moving places, then all of a sudden, you know, the very same people that supported you are the very same people that knock you back down, you know, to the earth, down to the, down to the dirt, right? Mm-hmm. That's all normal. That part is all normal. Everybody has that. Everybody on this planet has that. <clears throat> However, um, this invisible disability was very frustrating because I was awkward. And I didn't really know. I mean, I knew something was off and I thought it was just I was just, you know, deformed or defeated in some way. But I always knew that had I had an opening, I could work my way through it. Well, anyway, I was at work one day and I said something backwards. Mm. And one of my one of the employees that I used to work with, he looked at me. He says, oh, my gosh. I said, what? And he goes, you're dyslexic. I said, excuse me. (laughs) And he goes. He's, and he's, he's like, no, seriously. He's like, have you ever been tested for it? And I'm like, no, nothing I know of. And he's like, you might want to go in and get tested. Well, sure enough, mm. I found out that I was dyslexic and it solved a lot of answers. And let me tell you something, you go through your entire life not knowing what was wrong with you and you beat yourself up for it. Then you understand what it is and you go in and you don't, you don't ever fix something like this, but you certainly work to work with it, right? And right. that's what I did. I had to learn to reread as an, as an adult. I was 32 years old. Um, I've gotten a lot of criticism from some people who just don't believe that I had it. And it's just like, well, all right. You know, if you can transform yourself into my world, you're more than welcome to experience a week in my shoes. But, right. um, but I did. I went and I learned how to reread. I went back to school. I was a you know CDF student growing up and I graduated got my bachelor's degree and I was a magna cum laude graduate. I got Latin honors. I had a, you know, almost had a 4.0 GPA. Wow. That's fantastic. Thanks. I continued on. I got my master's degree and um, I got my MBA and uh, you know, it's just that, that one moment, that one person that said, Oh my gosh, have you ever considered this? Yeah. Really was that kind of portal that, Stepped me into a direction that took many years to, yeah. you know, get to where I am. But holy cow, it is amazing. Yeah, it, it's it's it was it was the most liberating experience I ever had. Wow, we've got about two minutes or so to our first break. You've worked for five different Fortune 500 companies. Did they all have things in common that you noticed? Because those are huge companies for a reason, right? Yeah, well, they all have structure. And they all have, you know, a targeted agenda moving forward. Um, I've learned a lot from them and really developed a level of comfort and a cadence and a language for doing business in a certain way. Uh, but most importantly, um, in the last two, last three that I worked for, I really had the opportunity to learn how to talk to people in a very empowering way in all circumstances between disciplinary to coaching and development and you know the positive the the you know the developmental side of it and uh it it is really up to my game there's no doubt about it i i love that that's fantastic we've got about a minute to our break how do you know when it's time to pivot from what you're doing to doing something else instead oh when you keep running into that wall and breaking your nose And we all know what that we all know what that feels like. You keep pivoting and if you have to keep pushing the mountain instead of just following the path that's laid out because you're trusting in yourself in the process, then Mm -hmm. you're gonna you then you have then you're struggling at that point. 
Wow, that's absolutely fantastic. We are coming up against our very first break. My very special guest this week is Brenda Nekvital, and we're going to talk about her most recent book uh, very, very soon. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to ask her how becoming an author has changed her life. Uh, we'll ask her about her big mission. She works in the HR industry. We'll mm. ask about some of the biggest misconceptions that people have about HR and a lot of other things. And we will come back very shortly after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's marching down the Here's a cool story. In 1805, two brothers were on a picnic in Boston, enjoying cold beverages and ice cream, joking about how their chilled refreshments would be the envy of those in the South. That's when one of the brothers, Frederick Tudor, came up with the idea of making ice and shipping it to people in the South. I'll bet Mr. Tudor's employees that handled all that ice every day were pretty chenicked. That means cold and shivering. In 1806, the Boston Globe reported, A vessel with a cargo of 80 tons of ice has just left port for Martinique. What's a word for a newspaper story that sounds halfway between fact and fiction? A rinkaboo! Is the formula for an ice cube H2O squared? It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Brendan Nekvital. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do so. Leave a review. I recently had my 200th review. I'm so happy and grateful for everybody that's reviewed the show. Please keep it going. I would love that. And oh, by the way, if you ask Alexa to play Success Profiles Radio, she will play the most recent episode. So do that, too. That's fun. So, Brenda, let me ask you, we'll talk about your new book here uh, in a few minutes, but how has becoming an author changed your life? Um, it, 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 that's a good question. It hasn't done a lot as far as changing my life, so to speak, mm-hmm. but it has helped a lot of other people. The first uh, bestseller that I wrote was about um, really, you know, how to progress from being a startup start person in HR all the way up to, you know, really fulfilling your dreams. And, 
and that spoke to a lot of people, which was really great. And then the second book, which just dropped on Friday and very quickly became a second bestseller, um, which is fantastic, mm -hmm. really talks about how how the conversations in our head work mm. as we engage our team. So if we have some sort of mindset that is not necessarily positive or indicative of health and emotional well-being balance, um, just even how we grew up in life, right? We may not mm -hmm. necessarily see how we grew up as negative, but how we come across to people as leaders, as influence, as influencers, Mm -hmm. um, makes a big difference. And so what I've done is I actually created this um, kind of two different ways of thinking. One is referred to as the white wolf way. And that is a very common way of thinking because the white wolf is the most common wolf in the world. But the black wolf is only in North America. Uh -huh. And it's very, very rare. And so mm -hmm. people who can rise above and kind of exist past their experiences and find the right tune, the right tonality with their folks, they're going to have a very successful operating team. And also some other things that they do, setting proper expectations, working on their core, the company core values, you know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of benefit to really examining who you are and how you are in the world and being very present with yourself. So yeah. that way you can effectively lead your team and not say the crazy things that people say, which are a real turnoff. They can't, you can't please everybody a hundred percent of the time, right. but the ones that you need, again, my phrase I used earlier, people either step in or step out. Mm -hmm. Your people who are willing to help you build a company and actually have purpose are the ones that will step in and they step in because they align with how you are. Yeah. And if you have this black wolf mentality and you are able to recognize when you slip to the white wolf mentality, you are going to have great success. Yeah. You're going to uh, have great success in everything that you do. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, and I did tease this topic before the break, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that people have about HR departments? <laughs> that we are, we are, we are the grim reaper. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest thing. And that's not what we do. And you know what? And there are people that have less than positive experiences with human resources. And unfortunately, when somebody has that, um, the HR department is not really aligned, you know, with culture or it's not really being used well. And, you know, HR can do a lot for team performance, for strategic support. I mean, HR has more of a function in business than a lot of people realize. It's beyond policy, process and compliance. It is really about how do you strategically utilize and maximize and grow your number one asset, which is your people. I mean, it's yeah. human capital is the labor that is produced. And yeah. when it is not effectively managed, you know, that that has a, a cost associated with it. Yeah. When should you have an HR department? I mean, you should probably have a company be a certain size to where you think you need it. But there are companies also that outsource that until they're big enough to have their own internal department, right? Right. Um, really, any company that has, I mean, first off, any business that has up to 11 to 12 employees, you've got, or actually 11 employees, you've got about a dozen laws that you have to follow anyway. And so it's critical that you understand 
how to put those things in place. Although a lot of businesses tend to think that because they're small, they can go, you know, they can kind of like slip through <laughs> and they're not necessarily wrong, but when they're caught and, you know, things tend to hit the fan, then ultimately what happens is that it becomes a very costly thing to repair. So as far as understanding what a company needs to do from a compliance side, the earlier the better, to be honest yeah. with you, in whatever capacity that is. But when you're looking at strategic growth, when you're looking at how how an HR department can support a business's number one uh, business objective, how it can help address the company's people problems, how it can address the company's process problems, that you want to do as early as humanly possible. Yeah. Oh, I love that because you know what? A lot of people do tend to think that HR is all about process and following rules. And yes, that is true. But HR is there to help address people issues. If you don't solve your people yeah. issues, then your business issues are never going to get solved either. Exactly. And really HR is, it's a de- it's finding that delicate balance that's doing what's in the best interest of the company, but also what's doing in the best interest of the employee. And in certain circumstances, you know, doing what's in the best interest of the employee may be more important than doing what's in the best interest of the company and vice versa. I mean, mm-hmm. every situation is going to be different. So, you know, I, I hear all the time or I see all the time on social media, probably because it's now tagged me. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, people say like HR isn't your friend. Well, you're right. HR isn't your friend, but HR isn't your enemy either. We're right. not here to be friends. We're here to find solutions to problems. Now, you may not always agree with that because it may not roll in your way, but Mm -hmm. you know what? It's not if you have a good HR person in place and you have somebody that understands what they're doing, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a lopsided situation. Right. Exactly. And, you know, we're talking about how a lot of people do sometimes see HR as a necessary evil. But can that department also help a company generate revenue, too? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of people see HR as being an expense, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there, you have to spend money to manage your, your capital because honestly, your payroll and your benefits are the top two items on your P&L. <laughs> That's just the way it works. And mm-hmm. we are the largest expense. But here's the thing. HR people, how we help the company grow and earn more revenue is by how we are able to help save the company money. So when you get somebody in place who understands how to negotiate for benefits, how to properly set compensation packages. And yes, even that pesky compliance stuff helps save the company on wasteful uh, attorney fees, wasteful Mm -hmm. fines, wasteful interest that comes with fines, right? That's that's all of that. We can be more efficient at helping a company retain the money, which really, honestly, a dollar saved is a dollar earned. Absolutely. That's fantastic. So your book is called Two Wolves, Which One Are You Feeding and How You Impact Your Team. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've talked a little bit about what the two wolves are. So let's talk about some of the themes that are in the book. If you have employees who are not meeting your expectations, is it their fault or is it your fault? It depends. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) It depends on how you set them up. If If you take on a black wolf mentality and you are highly committed to making sure that you are communicating and communicating effectively and that you verified with the employee that they understand what the expectation is. In other words, you invested the time that they get it. 
and you don't follow up with them or you don't go back and check, mm-hmm. that's on you as a leader. However, mm-hmm. if you are very clear and when you go back and you check and they're still not doing it, well, that's on them, mm-hmm. right? So um, expectations is certainly something you have to get good at. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will do the front side of it, but they very rarely will make the time to go back and circle and check up. I have I have several people that I work with in multiple companies that I lead and manage uh, and own. And the ones that are significant business movers, I meet with them on a regular basis. And everybody knows this is the time when we're meeting. We're going to talk about what's going on. My job is to help them overcome obstacles and make sure that they have what they need to do the work. But here's the other piece, too. I also see their end result and I see the product that they deliver to mm. me. They see I see their result. If I see something that is off, like I'll give you, for instance, I have somebody who does some social media work for me and I love her. She's really, really great. She's really funny. And she mm. keeps putting a period at the end. She kept for like three weeks. She kept putting a period at the end of a sentence on a quote and a meme. <laughs> I'm like, you don't put a period in a meme. <laughs> no, mm. It took me three weeks to get her to, to stop doing it. And But I did it with fun because we started laughing about it, right? And mm-hmm. then she finally understood. And I haven't seen one since. Problem solved, right? But that's nice. a very public thing, right? It's like mm-hmm. once that's posted out there, I can't go back and, you know, fix all of that from the different different profiles that I have out there. We don't want to do that, right? Right. So, but you know, and and she got it. And I mean, maybe a little thing, but mm-hmm. from a marketing standpoint, it was a big thing because it hits everybody. Absolutely. So, yeah. So it's it, so it's all about if you want the desired result, you have to work with your people to get it. And if they don't have the competencies in place to do it. Mm-hmm. then you either move them into a position where they're capable or you move them out. And that's very much a black wolf mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Because We've you're got, not being fair to that person either. Right. We've got about a minute and a half to our next break. We've been talking about leadership. So let me ask, what are the top qualities that you look for in a leader in your organization? I would imagine that trust is right near the top. Oh, it is the biggest bell ringer out there. If I can't trust you, I don't want to work with you. It's as simple as that. Um, you have to have integrity. You mm-hmm. absolutely have to integrity. And as soon as I see that somebody's not doing what they commit to, um, then we have to have a conversation around that. And if this isn't for you, that's fine. You know, there's no harm, no foul. But yeah. the people that I have been putting in place are the ones that do follow through. Um, and they're they're really, really good. But I take also take the time, and this is what I encourage a lot of businesses to do as well. Take the time not to get to know them as a person. Get to know their stories on how they've worked in the past. Listen Mm. for the behaviors that they put out, how they handle situations, how they think through situations, right? Those are the indicators that are going to tell you whether or not they're the ones that are going to be able to to meet your need. That's actually a very, very interesting way of looking at it. Don't necessarily get to know people for who they are, but get to know them for how they think and behave when things get very, very difficult. That's fantastic. We'll come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. 
This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Brendan Nekvatal, and her book is called Two Wolves, Which One Are You Feeding and How You Impact Your Team. And if you have not subscribed to Success Profiles Magazine, go to successprofilesmagazine.com. It is a digital monthly magazine, and you can choose your subscription option just by going to successprofilesmagazine.com. We're working on the February issue right now. We've been doing this since December 2017, so there's a ton of content on the site. Once again, that's successprofilesmagazine.com. So, Brenda, let's talk about what your position on personal development is in the workspace. Some people say that if you develop leaders, they might leave and go somewhere else, but if you don't (laughs) develop them, then they might actually stay, and now you have to deal with them. Neither of them are ideal scenarios, are they? Well, um, you know what? I have found that if you de- if you are investing in your people and you're developing them and you're doing it because you see that they have the ability to care, help carry the company forward, not just because they're concerned that they won't have a career path. In other words, if you do it for the right reasons, they are in it to win it. Mm. Um, now, that's not always going to be the case, right? Because so look, generationally speaking, it's like if you develop a Gen Xer like myself, we're going to stick around because yeah. we have that sense, you know, to us, that's loyalty. Yeah. Know, very simply put, it really is. But when you gen- when you work to actually develop, let's say for a millennial, millennial is really interested in the experience and they are interested in taking and learning along the way, but from different caveats and, and different yeah. organizational structures, right? To mm-hmm. them, it's all about putting all of the little pieces of their experiences together into one big one. Yeah. So, and Gen Z, well, we're still learning about them, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it kind of depends on who you're looking at. And so if you are talking to somebody who's a millennial and you say, you know, like, hey, listen, I'm interested in having you, you know, grow over the next 10 years. As soon as you say 10 years, man, they switched off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, that's not something, but... Then there are people that after a while 
do find benefit in staying so long as they have something to work for. But yeah. if you're doing it just for the sake of keeping people because it's easier to keep them rather than it is to, you know, spend the time to look for new talent when somebody rolls out, you kind of don't really have the the best mindset there. It's not a really right. great strategy. And, Absolutely. you know, when you, you know, but what you measure improves. And if the person's performance continues to go up and they get rewarded for it and they find benefit and joy, it's not always going to be there every day. But for the long haul, more than likely, they're going to hang by and they're going to stay. Absolutely. Let's talk next about the importance of having clearly defined core values. And and what are your top core values? Because this is what guides all of your decisions, right? (laughs) Every single one of them. So um, core values really are how you want people to operate within your company and they should be simplistic they should be easily repeatable and it should be everything it, you as an apex leader have to drive them so mm-hmm. my core i have four of them in every single one of my companies i have integrity that's my first one because at the end of the day it's the one thing that i own outright if i lose everything else that's that, that's on me and you know what? There are days where I don't always live up to my promise, but if I screw it up, I clean it up and I get it done. Yeah. Right. Uh, the other one is communication. I come from, like I said earlier, uh, you know, I have a disability. I'm dyslexic. It's important to me that I am clear because I need to make sure that I am <clears throat> communicating to people what I need them to do. So sometimes I tend to over communicate, but I've compensated that by just being really, really, really succinct and straightforward. Mm-hmm. But I believe in making sure that, like, if you don't understand something, don't assume it. Get clear, right, and move forward with it. <clears throat> the other is collaboration, because no man is an island, and I may not have the answers. I use people that have talents beyond what I've got to yep. be successful. And likewise, I use my talents to support them. And lastly is leadership. Because you can't do anything unless people lead. And sometimes I may not be the one leading the charge forward. Could be mm-hmm. one of my guys doing it. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. But you got to be able to lead. That's absolutely very important. Let's talk about the importance of documenting everything and how it can bite you hard when you don't. Yeah, well, it can also bite you when you do, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it can. I mean, the, the, the circumstances are specific. So... There's a difference between between being transparent and being way too open, right? Uh-huh. And when you're working on progressively moving an employee out because it's not a good fit or they're constantly making mistakes or they're just not living up to the expectations of the company, you want to make a do- you want to document those things clearly. However, uh-huh. not everything is for employees' eyes. So Again, you know, there is a very delicate balance of doing what's in the best interest of the company and what's doing in the best interest of the employee. And, you know, document what employees should know. Keep confidential what employees are not. How do I want to put it? It's not that they're not obligated to it. They're just not entitled to that information. Mm, That's amazing. I love that. It's a a weird one. It's It's a weird situation to be in. Absolutely. So let's talk about how difficult hiring is these days. Companies are more mm-hmm. multicultural and multi-generational than ever before. How do you achieve some balance in this? Well, really what's happening and part of the reason why it's not so much multi-generational and multicultural as it is economical. Mm. And so 
so right now we're in this really awful situation where inflation has now outpaced wages. Mm-hmm. And that's a very difficult position because ultimately when a company has to increase its pricing or increase the cost of its service offering or widget offering or whatever, it ultimately means in order to make wages happen and retain people, it means that the customer has to absorb that cost. Yeah. And so um, really trying to find people. I mean, we just had na- nationally, and I'm not saying I'm for it or against it. I'm using it as an example. We just had this big national debate over the last several years about increasing wages at fast food restaurants from minimum wage or just above minimum wage to $15 an hour. Uh-huh. Minimum wage is still $7.25 an hour. <clears throat> now the company has transitioned. These companies are transitioning to kiosks. Uh-huh. So <laughs> well, ultimately what's happening is that the company is not needing to retain so many people, but yet... I just went through Arby's today in Richmond when I went out to spend some time working with Virginia State Police. I just bought a roast beef sandwich, cheese sticks, and a medium soda, kid you not, for $15. Wow. I just paid for one hour of somebody's salary if their wage. That's and amazing. I, yeah, and this is what I mean by inflation is now outpacing wages. Mm-hmm. So companies who can't afford to give good wages or wages that meet the need of our rising costs of food, goods, gasoline, raw materials are now really that's where companies are really going to start struggling because somebody in the past two years who may have had the skill set to earn $17 an hour is probably going to come back and say, I need 22 Right, because someone who has no skill at all is being offered 15, and I went to college, I have a master's mm-hmm. degree, I have 20 years of experience. Yep, and it's really hard at this stage of the game, because we're just at the beginning of inflation outpacing wages. So it's really hard at this stage of the game for employers to be able to justify spending more on anybody, mm-hmm. because they're dealing with information and data, compensation data that is still 18 months to 12 months old. Exactly. So let me ask you something about a different topic. How often do you hire someone who's clearly talented but isn't quite qualified for the position you are hiring for? You don't want to let them go because you know they're really, really good. Will you hire them anyway and find a place for them? Or are uh, you really yeah. rigid about or are you really rigid about the, the position you're hiring for? Oh, it depends on the situation. So if I'm looking for like a director's position in a niche field and I have somebody who's a rising talent, um, if the company has the room for that in my past, I would say, let's find a spot and let's move them in that direction. Or I may even adjust the position. So I may not necessarily need a director. I would have a manager. Mm -hmm. I would drop it down to a management position and I would say, okay, here's the deal. We're going to offer you a position as manager with the expectation that in the next three years, you are going to progress into a director's position, but you are going to have to work to get there. We're going to help you with that. Here's the path forward. Mm-hmm. There's a couple I bet of people appreciate that. Do that. They do. They usually tend to, to appreciate that. They get very excited. And not to mention when they're working towards something, they ha- if they feel like they're owning it and they're building it, that's where your retention comes in, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy. And you have to recognize that they're going to have challenges and you have to support them. But ultimately, if they are part of, of creating that process, mm-hmm. then they are going to be way more successful at it in the long haul. 
Absolutely. We talked earlier about setting proper expectations for employees, and I should have asked you this yeah. earlier, but I want to circle back around to that. I've heard you say on stage that in the absence of information, employees will just make stuff up. So you need to make things very, very crystal clear right, right up front, don't you? Yeah, and that's my number one live and die rule in life in general. In the absence of information, people make stuff up. What I mean by that is, is that even though I can sit there and say, I need you to move box A to box B. Can you do that in the next five minutes? I get, yeah, okay. And then the minute I turn away, I get, well, where the hell can't you do it yourself? But I don't seem to understand, you know, <laughs> it's like yeah. this internal dialogue. And that's really what the book Two Wolves is about, is what is all that mess that's in somebody's head? And if you don't believe, and I'm going to say this from my personal experience, if you don't believe me that people don't have these weird conversations and this chatter in their head, just watch a woman date in her early 20s. Because when that guy does not show up, or does not call all these, like, oh my gosh, maybe he fell into a ditch somewhere. Maybe mm -hmm. he lost my number. It's like all these things, because we can't justify not knowing as people. We just right. can't. It's, exactly. It, we, we are not wired that way. And so that's why it's so key and critical. I had a guy a while ago, he asked me for an opinion about a situation. I said, you can go ahead and consult an attorney. And he says, I don't have the, I don't have the money for that. And I said, well, here's what you do. You ask him, you tell him your situation, tell him that you are, you know, financially strapped. Sometimes they do pro bono work, which means that they do it for free. Ask mm -hmm. him if this is an opportunity for him to do some pro bono work on you. Yeah. He turned around and told his father, he said, yeah, Brenda said that the attorney would do it for free. And like, mm. that is absolutely not what I said. It's not what you said. Not even remotely close, right? Yeah, right. and I did, and like yeah, you heard my big floof in the background. That's about the sound that I made when I re-explained to him that listen, if you're going to quote me, you quote me accurately. Right. Oh gosh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah don't exactly. I'm telling an attorney, I said that you would do something at no cost. It doesn't work that way. So nope. that is a mis that's a mishearing, but that's also the story that's in his head, right? So mm -hmm. we all deal with that. Absolutely. We're coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. We are with Brenda Nekvital, and her book is called Two Wolves, Which One Are You Feeding and How You Impact Your Team. Get it, get it, get it, get it. We're discussing themes in the book, and we have a lot more interesting stuff to talk about after the break. We'll come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. 
notice you buy more groceries when you use a large shopping cart. The shopping cart, or trolley as it was originally called, was invented in 1937 by Sylvan Goldman, owner of two Oklahoma City grocery stores. Back then, shoppers carried their food in wicker baskets. One day, Goldman was observing his customers and realized that as soon as their baskets were full or too heavy on their arm, people stopped shopping. Goldman thought if we could somehow give customers two baskets, we could do considerably more business. What's another word for a resourceful person? A debrouillard. Goldman put wheels on some folding chairs, attached two baskets to the seat, and let the back of the chair act as a handle so the cart could be pushed with one hand. What do you call anything that can be manipulated with one hand? A thumbadoodle. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And if you've heard the commercials, you know that I help people write their books. And if that's something that you want to talk about, my website is writeabookforyou.com. Spell every word all the way out, writeabookforyou.com. You'll get more information about how I help people, testimonials from great customers. You will see a link to The List, where I was on a national TV show called The List, and a link to my calendar. So writeabookforyou.com. I'd love to have that conversation with you about how we can make that happen. So, Brenda, I want to ask something that I know comes up in companies. I have help now in my company, and this has come up a few times. And you and I have talked privately about this, and I told you I'm going to ask you this when I interview you. (laughs) When you have an employee that starts asking frequently to get paid early, how do you deal with it? Especially when they seem to have a legitimate reason for it. Yeah, that's tough because – You know, when you start advancing employees, then you're starting to set a precedence. And ultimately Uh what happens is that if you have one person that is, you know, look, COVID has not been friendly to anybody. (laughs) Like this whole world has been impacted by it. You know, this is the one event in my life that I've seen that's just like nailed everybody against the wall, the entire world. Even, Even past the Great Recession in 2009 through 2011, right? or 2008, 2010, whenever it took place, you know, people were, were living paycheck to paycheck more so, you know, than ever before. And, and COVID certainly has not been friendly to anybody's bank account. But when you start loaning money and then you like you, oh, you loan money to this one person, but then you don't loan it to somebody else. Right. Well, guess what? That person going back to my number one live and die rule in life in the absence of information, they make stuff up. What happens? The person that you loaned it to is a Caucasian male under the age of 35, but the person that you didn't loan it to was a 45-year-old black woman. Uh-huh. That's a disparity, and that's a real disparity, right? Right. And that's, and that and that's could, what I mean by precedence, right? Yeah, and people will probably make some story up, even though their yes. situation's absolutely warranted yes to one person and no to somebody else. Exactly. And going back to your point, when you said, if you don't write it down, you can get into some problems. But here's the thing. It's if you write it down and you if somebody loans somebody something, they made a bad decision. That's Mm -hmm. not necessarily something you would write down if it was just like, hey, listen, don't do it again. 
Right. And next thing you know, you got a situation to where, mm-hmm. and it was a legitimate bad decision. It was a mistake, right? right? But now you've got this loan going out to, you know, a protected race. And that person comes up with a theory, a working theory that they feel they can prove whether yeah. they can or can't. Now you got a situation. And if you have something that's in writing, saying that we've loaned this and, you know, somebody writes down the wrong words and it puts something mm-hmm. wrong into context. Yeah. Now you're in yeah. trouble, right? And, and my, it happens. Yeah. So we just kind of merge like three questions into one answer. Hey, there's yeah. a case study. <laughs> yeah. I, I had an employee who I paid on a Thursday and the following Monday, she asked to be paid early, like, like 12 days early again. Yeah. And my agenda was not to set the example that it's okay. Exactly. My agenda was to get her to figure mm-hmm. out what else can you do instead of ask me because yes. I'm your employer. I'm not your buddy. I'm not a family member. Yes. I'm not a friend. And then the other question I asked is if I do this, you know, you're not going to get paid for four more weeks. What are you going to do when your actual payday comes? Are you going to be able to get from now to four weeks from now without getting paid? Yeah, oh. probably not. And you yeah, know, it's not. Yeah. And it's not an employer's place to challenge right. somebody on how they live their life. However, right. Um, right. It is what your your example is a very valid point. And that goes back to, again, doing what's in the best interest of the employee and doing what's in the best interest of the employer. So right. anybody who's smart and rational like you are would come up with this as a like, you know, how are they going to be able to survive? The answer to that is, you know what, we appreciate you coming for the help. We, we certainly appreciate that you've got some financial challenges. However, right. we are not in a position to do that, nor am I in a position to start that. And you really are going to have to find another solution. Right. And it wasn't a matter of questioning the person's choices. What what happened was that they had a bad weather situation that affected their house. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, so now I feel like a heel if I say no, but at the same time, I got to get you to think about how are you going to get from now till the next time I am supposed to actually pay you? How are you going to make it through the next four weeks? Cause I don't want you to kick. I don't want you to fast forward this to where I'm dealing with you being ahead, getting paid ahead every two weeks. Cause now that puts me in a bad spot if you quit. Right. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, now what happens if that person leaves or you have to terminate them, mm-hmm. you know, and you're never going to, you're never going to recoup that money back. Now, you know, multi-million dollar company, you know, a couple hundred bucks is not a big deal. Right. Um, but when you have several employees and there's several hundred dollars out there, which equates to several thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. even though that's a big company, you know, still it's precedence and it's wasteful spending and that money can go somewhere else. Exactly. So I'd like to ask you this. I would like to ask you about some of the greatest challenges that you faced during COVID. And is it hard to enforce rules when you have a remote workforce? Um, I'm going to answer the second part of that question first. And the answer to that is it's not harder to enforce the rules. It is more difficult to work with processes that don't make that don't make sense. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of companies really ran into that they realized that they had too many steps in their processes. And when they were forced to allow people, you know, forced to have people working from home, they quickly saw, and I heard many cases of this, they quickly saw that, oh my gosh, we have so much bureaucracy to get something done. And now we have more limited resources. We've got people all over the place. It's challenging to communicate. Do we really need this step? Mm-hmm. And a lot of companies were cutting out process and they were they were doing a much better job at refining their processes. And then that was a that was a hand that they were you know forced to deal with. Um, but as far as me for covid, I mean, the my biggest thing is I 
pretty much spent two years educating people on and, and companies on what they need to do with mandated vaccines, how to handle COVID in the workplace, processes, policies, procedures. I mean, mm-hmm. I spent two years literally talking about that to the point where like nobody wants to hear it anymore. Exactly. <laughs> done. Exactly. Done with it, you know. Yep. So here's something that a lot of people don't know about you. You have worked with Navy SEALs. What did you learn by doing that? I have learned some pretty cool things uh, working with Navy SEALs. I have learned how to have an emergency go bag in the back of my car. I learned what happened when uh, somebody asked me, do you have your go bag and you don't present it? (laughs) We have a lot of fun. Um, The SEALs are great. I actually started doing career transition work with them. Uh, six years ago with the Honor Foundation, where we put them through an executive program. It takes, uh, back when we started, it was 16 weeks, now it's down to 13 weeks, where we help them transition from an active duty situation into, um, you know, the uh, the workforce, you know, yeah. the civilian workforce. And I've learned a lot of things from them. I've learned a lot about uh, the culture of naval special warfare, the the SEAL community. <clears throat> That's just an amazing group of people. They really are. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Let's talk about performance reviews for just a second. Are they worth the paper they're written on? <laughs> yeah, actually they are. Um, you know, performance reviews are one of those things that if you don't do them and you don't put, you don't invest in them, they're worthless, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, if you understand, if you are monitoring somebody's KPIs, if you come up with key performance indicators and you set expectations and people know what they're supposed to work towards, you meet with them on a fairly regular basis, you are constantly managing their performance, right? Yeah. You're, you're constantly reviewing them. And not to mention, right. if you do it in, in the aspect, if you do it from the approach of what do you need from me in order to be successful, you're not really reviewing anybody. Now you're collaborating. And yeah. now you're working together. And, you know, you talked about, you know, before about, you know, finding people in the workplace. Well, if you start at home and you start, you know, the grass is never greener on the other side, but the grass mm-hmm. will be greener where you water it. Yeah. And if you start if you start really investing in your people and their development <clears throat> and meeting with them and communicating that with them and, you know, building that trust relationship you're going to find that you're going to have a heck of a team that can accomplish a lot of crazy things. Absolutely. I can't believe that we're getting close to the end of the show. We've got about four minutes or so left. I do want to give you a very short opportunity to talk about your podcast, Best Practices and Human Resources Podcast. Yeah. So I've been doing it since 2018, and it's actually about ready to undergo a little bit of a remodel. And I'm just going to trim it down to best practices. I may... I'm kind of figuring out a little bit of a rebranding. I may even call it best practices in business because um, I think it's important really to keep talking about the things that we're talking about, but at the level of leadership. Uh-huh. Because what I'm what I'm finding, and, and I experienced it personally too, is that HR professionals, it's like being in the middle. And for some uh-huh. reason, our industry tells us that we need to impact culture. But the problem is, is that we can impact culture, but we can't change it, nor can we lead the charge on it. That has to come from the top. And so I'm developing this philosophy in my mind that the best way to support HR folks is to support the CEO and actually, or entrepreneur or whatever, and teach them how to effectively use 
the HR people because they really want to do more for the companies. And over the last, you know, since 2018, you know, I've really been in, engrossed in that conversation. It's been almost four years now. And um, so I'm, I'm kind of making a shift. And you'll, if you listen to the podcast, you'll find that it's really more for CEOs on how to utilize HR and how to, to join that bridge, so to speak. Fantastic. Less than two minutes until the end. Here's the question I ask everyone, Brenda, who inspires and motivates you? Oh, my word. That changes every day. Um, who inspires and motivates me? Well, I am self-motivating. So there you go. But mm-hmm. I will tell I will tell you honestly that my experience with Apex has been very impactful the last year. I have had to really withstand quite a few challenges over the year. And I don't think I could have done it had I not heard what I heard, experienced what I heard, and uh, talked to the folks in Apex that I did. And so if, if you're looking for a mastermind, guys, I mean, seriously, you really need to consider jumping into any one of the levels of Apex because it mm-hmm. is a very strong culture. Absolutely. And Ryan has done an amazing job of putting it together. And the people that he has leading the charge are is equally impressive. So Yes, that is true. Yeah. So how can we... Village. How can we find you? How can we try with you and vibe with you? Absolutely. So if you want to find out what I'm doing over on the HR front, it's very simple. You can go to my website at Brenda, the HR lady. You can also find me on any of the social channels as Brenda, the HR lady. Uh, And uh, that's the easiest place to start right there. Brenda, thank you for being here. You were a fantastic guest. I appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate you. Great. And thank you all for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever and learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. And you should go pick up Brenda's book. It is called Two Wolves, Which One Are You Feeding and How You Impact Your Team. Thanks for being here, everyone. Take care. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.